Hello, friends, and welcome to the PrepWell podcast. I'm your host, Phil Black. And if you have an 8th, ninth, or 10th grader with big aspirations, like the Ivy League or military service academies like West Point, ROTC, or athletic scholarships, boom, you've come to the right place. My specialty, my superpower, if you will, is preparing families for these competitive programs. I'll teach you what your child should do, when they should do it, and how you can help. So stick around and prepare to out-prepare. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the PrepWell podcast. In today's episode, I will try to break down, as clearly as I can, why college admissions has become so challenging and what you can do about it. This information will be especially relevant for students in 10th and 11th grade, but also very important for parents of 7th, 8th, and 9th graders, because it gives them a look at what's awaiting for them on the horizon. So first off, what do I mean by a challenging college admissions environment? Well, historically, college admissions, applications, essay writing, list building, they've always been challenging, and they will always remain challenging for obvious reasons. But these days, the challenge has reached new heights. It has gone to another level because students really have no idea where they'll get accepted anymore. And for someone who is not in the business, the process appears to be a complete black hole. And admissions decisions are becoming so unpredictable, so seemingly random at times, that it's hard to know where to apply, what to expect, and how to handle the outcomes. And all of this is very unsettling. Now, if you remember back in the day, say five years ago, 10 years ago, certainly beyond 10 years ago, students, guidance counselors, advisors like me would have a pretty good feel about a student's chances of getting into College X or College Y or College Z. It wasn't a perfect science, of course, but we had some level of confidence based on historical data of how things would shake out. This is no longer the case. As they often say on Wall Street, past performance is no indicator of future performance. So let me break down why this is happening now and try to offer some ways to compensate and better prepare yourself for this new world. Why are admissions decisions so unpredictable these days? Well, there are many reasons. Let me offer five of them. Reason number one, the number of applications submitted is skyrocketing. And obviously, as applications go up, the chances of you getting in go down. That's just the math equation. Now, there are several sub-reasons as to why applications are going up so much, and I'll go through a couple of those. Reason number one, technology. The online, quote-unquote, common application makes it very easy for students to apply to a lot of colleges all at once with very little additional effort. They have to write an additional essay or two, check off a few extra boxes, pay the application fee, and boom, voila, they can apply to 15 or 20 colleges without batting an eye. Back in the day, when each college required its own application and separate essays and separate letters of recommendation forms, we and students thought long and hard about how many schools to apply to because the process was so labor-intensive. Not so anymore. The second reason, the test-optional movement. 
By now, most of you know that most colleges have adopted a quote-unquote test-optional policy, which means students do not have to submit an SAT or an ACT score, and that, theoretically, not submitting an SAT or an ACT score will have zero impact on your chances of getting admitted. Now, though I don't believe this is true, it still has emboldened tens of thousands of students to apply to schools that they normally wouldn't apply to based on historical SAT scores. They apply anyway. They figure, hey, without an SAT score, I look pretty much like everybody else. I have great grades. I've joined a few clubs. I play a varsity sport. I play an instrument. Maybe I'll get lucky. And so applications go through the roof. Reason number three, free and simplified applications. There are increasing opportunities to have your application fee waived based on financial hardship which encourages more students to apply who otherwise would hold back due to cost. And there are a growing number of simplified applications available where students can apply to college in just a few clicks, literally on their phone. All the blanks are filled in. They just have to hit apply. Reason number four, college marketing efforts. Colleges are getting a lot more savvy, especially technologically, when it comes to marketing. They are using slick social media campaigns and other very targeted advertising efforts to reach a much broader base of students. The more students they reach with these highly customizable messages, the more success they have in driving up applications. Reason number five, uncertainty about who's getting in. This uncertainty is what kicks off a vicious cycle. And it goes like this, as it becomes more and more unpredictable as to who gets in where, it sets off a feeding frenzy. Since there are almost no guarantees anymore, or even good guesses, students resort to applying to 15, 20, 22, 23 schools just to make sure they don't come up completely empty-handed. It used to be that if you applied to 6, 7, or 8 schools, including some match and some safety schools, that you would get into several of them. These days, if you roll the dice like that, you could finish... 0 for 8, and have no options. So to avoid such an embarrassing fate, students overcompensate and apply everywhere. The sixth reason, virtual visits. Since the pandemic, most colleges were forced to create these highly engaging and entertaining virtual visits to help students get a feel for the campus without having to be there live in person. This has led to students feeling more comfortable making decisions about where to apply based on a virtual visit as opposed to having to be there in person. This has opened up a whole new category of applicants who used to limit their applications to local schools instead of taking a bet on a school across the country that they couldn't visit because of the pandemic or because it was too expensive. That's not the case anymore. Every school now seems to be a viable option. Reason number seven, college incentives. Colleges are in on it, because remember, the more applications a school gets, the more selective they will look in the rankings. It's an optics thing. If a school normally gets 15,000 applications and accepts 1,500 students, that's a 10% acceptance rate. What happens to the acceptance rate when 30,000 students apply, twice the number that usually do? Well, the acceptance rate drops down to 5%. Whoa, they just got a heck of a lot more selective overnight. And selectivity equals exclusivity. 
and exclusivity means that they must be better, more prestigious, and will likely move up the rankings. And now these schools can charge more. They can attract more accomplished professors. They can install a lazy river and a rock climbing wall in the dining hall. They can get more alumni donations. And so the cycle continues. Colleges have incentives to juice the number of applications they receive because it artificially pushes down their acceptance rates. So all of those seven items all have to do with increasing the number of applications. Let's go to reason number two. Predictive enrollment models are all screwed up. With so many applications to deal with, for the reasons we just discussed, the historical models of how many students will enroll compared to how many are offered spots, also known as yield, it's all messed up. Colleges can't count on the way things used to work anymore. And this is a problem. Colleges have to make sure that they have enough students to fill their spots so they can meet their revenue targets. But not too many, because they don't want to have to turn students away after they've been admitted. That's embarrassing. This is a top priority for them, financially and otherwise. And if they can't trust their yield model, their predictive enrollment model, and they don't want to risk over-enrolling students, they end up waitlisting a ton of students just to make sure that they don't come up short at the end of the day. For example, if they used to offer spots to 10,000 students, knowing that about 5,000 of them would accept, but now there's a chance that only 2,000 might accept, they can't take that chance. They can't come up 3,000 students short. They'll go out of business. So they waitlist 5,000 students until they figure out who will accept or not. And if they didn't get enough students for those seats, they'll start tapping into the waitlist until they fill the seats up. This is why the waitlists are up so much. And obviously this creates a lot of headaches for students because many of them are left in limbo. Reason number three, students are more competitive. It's just the way it is. As colleges get more selective, the most motivated students get even more competitive. They take harder classes, they start businesses, they author books, they launch NFT projects, they spend more time on their essays, they study harder for the SAT. The ratchet goes up and up and up. And part of my job as a college advisor is to let students and family know how competitive it is out there. I talk with a lot of parents who think their child is the be-all and end-all because they have a 4.38764 GPA with a 1510 super scored SAT and they play varsity volleyball as a sophomore and they started an environmental justice club and I don't want to burst their bubble and I'm sure their child is very accomplished and a fine person but with 2 million students graduating every year and that's just in the U.S., a lot of them are doing incredibly impressive things. And I don't blame the parents for not knowing what's out there because this isn't their business. They don't see what I see. They're focused on their very accomplished child. But like everything else in life, there are levels upon levels upon levels of achievement. And if Harvard only enrolls about 1,200 students per year, that's only six or 700 girls and six or 700 boys who are accepted. That's not a lot which means that your son or daughter has to be one of the top six or 700 boys, one of the top six or 700 girls in the world 
out of about 40,000 applicants. And those 40,000 applicants are no slouches. And I know this is an extreme case, but I'm trying to make the point that the funnel gets very, very small at the top very fast. And the most motivated students who have this goal in their sights and who start early, as many prep wellers do, they are tough to outcompete. I deal with this scenario several times a day. In fact, here's an example of a text I received a few days ago from a friend, which I think will illustrate this. It goes like this. Hey, thank you for responding to me so quickly yesterday. Here is some of the background of the family that we talked about. Jessica is a mother of three. Her oldest got screwed. He was class valedictorian, 1580 on the SAT, plays sports, plays instruments. He's a great kid. But unfortunately, they were naive of the competition in the admissions process, and the school counselor was useless. Her son only applied to top 20 schools, Ivies and schools like Johns Hopkins and Tufts and Carnegie Mellon, and he didn't get into any of them. Literally 0 for 12. I was thinking maybe he should consider a year of prep school or a gap year and then reapply, but I don't know. Thanks for talking to her. This is not uncommon if you're not in the loop on how this stuff works. Had that family done more homework about the process or been a part of Preppel Academy or sought out some advice from an outside counselor, maybe things would have turned out differently. Maybe. I feel bad for this kid and the family because he was doing all the right things, quote unquote, and then kind of got caught up not really knowing what he was getting into. Reason number four, everyone applies to the same schools. This is a tough one. I know it's hard to get out of the mindset of applying only to brand name schools that are well-known and recognizable and that have a, quote, respectable ranking. I get it. It's very understandable, especially when you're spending potentially eighty dollars or $90,000 a year for four years. That's hard to justify at a college that no one's heard of or that isn't particularly high-ranking or well-known. Now, whether the education itself is better or worse or the same, it's still a tough pill to swallow. And I don't have an easy answer for this right now. I'll be addressing this issue in more depth in an upcoming episode. The problem I'm highlighting here is that when everybody applies to the same schools, it's harder to get into those schools. And lastly, reason number five, institutional priorities. These days, the push for DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion in admissions, has reached a fever pitch, and there are enormous pressures inside these institutions to admit students from very specific backgrounds and demographics in order to conform with the priorities of this movement. Optics are a big deal here, and these institutions have to deliver. This has added to the unpredictability. If your child doesn't fit into one of these institutionally mandated groups, it dims their prospects making it even more difficult to know how things will shake out. In summary, these are the primary reasons why the college admissions process is in such chaos. Number one, skyrocketing applications. Number two, historical yield models no longer working. Number three, increasingly competitive students. Number four, all students applying to the same schools. And number five, the pressure to deliver on institutional priorities. So what can we do about this? How do you deal with these changes? This topic alone could be a three-hour episode, but let me leave you with a few things to consider. Number one, be more competitive. 
especially if you aspire to go to a top school. I know that might sound harsh, especially if you have a child who already seems like they're firing on all cylinders. But it never hurts to be better in school, in sports, in your extracurriculars. If you have a child who seems willing to push themselves, ratcheting up their level of competitiveness and understanding of what the landscape is like will help them. Number two, be more realistic. This requires a mindset shift away from thinking that the top 20 schools are the only schools that will get your child where they need to go. If you can start the process with more realistic expectations from the get-go, I'm talking 7th and 8th grade, then hopefully it relieves some of that pressure later on. Number three, research more. I can tell you from experience, students do not like to research colleges. They just don't. I try my best to guide them and help them figure out what to look for and what traits to focus on. I get online with them and click the buttons with them, but it's very intimidating for teenagers. Students usually revert to schools that they recognize or where their parents attended or where their friends are applying. This just exacerbates the problem we talked about earlier when it comes to applying to the same set of schools as everybody else. Number four, be more selective in where you apply. Instead of applying to 15 to 20 schools with a half-hearted and generic application where there's a lot of cutting and pasting, narrow down the list of schools and go all in on them. The list still needs to be balanced with some reach and some match and some safety schools, but it doesn't have to be 20 plus of them. Prove to the admissions reader that you're not someone who threw the application in like spaghetti against the wall, hoping that something sticks, that you really care about the school for these reasons, ABC. Number five, don't pin all of your hopes and dreams on one school or one type of school. This is an easy way to be disappointed. Take a wider view on what might be a good fit school. And the truth is, there probably is more than one type of school that would serve you well. The key is to expand that playing field early on. Number six, think more about what you want out of college. This falls into the same category as researching colleges. Students don't like doing it. These conversations get students nervous because most of them have no idea what they want to do with their lives or, frankly, why they're even going to college. So I get why this is not something they love to talk about. Find somebody like me who will lean into this resistance and push them to really think about what they're doing. Plenty of students have ambitions that don't require them to compete for one of the 600 Harvard spots. This can bring the temperature down quite a bit when they realize that there are other things to think about. Students are lazy. They don't want to think about these things. They want the brand name of the school to solve all of their problems and to figure out their future for them. And that can be a pretty risky and expensive proposition. Number seven, be a prep weller. If you aren't a prep weller yet, I suggest you enroll. The earlier, the better. The earliest you can enroll is the end of eighth grade. In June, my weekly video lessons won't solve all of your problems, but they certainly will give you the guidance. And when I say you, I mean you and your child give you the guidance that you will need to prepare yourself well for the admissions process. You don't want to get caught regretting that you hadn't gotten smarter about this process earlier. The earlier you start receiving these messages, the more prepared and the more competitive you will be. 
And lastly, number eight, be an athlete. If you're a recruited athlete and a coach puts an asterisk next to your name in admissions and you get pre-screened and the admissions office gives you a thumbs up or a conditional letter of acceptance ahead of time, many times you'll bypass all of this drama and waiting and wondering. You'll get admitted straight away. It's one of the few paths these days that gives students visibility on where they'll be admitted. But as I've talked about in many prior episodes, trying to become a recruited athlete is not for the faint of heart. It is a risky proposition, fraught with obstacles. So choose that path wisely and seek out professional help to make sure you close that deal. Well, I hope this episode opened your eyes to some of the changes going on in the college admissions process. And like many things in the world these days, these changes are not gradual anymore. These things are happening overnight, it seems. So I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening and staying informed. And I hope you're a prep weller so you can get this type of advice every single week. And if you want a one-on-one session with me, because you've compiled a bunch of thorny questions that you want answers to, reach out to me and we'll set up a time to chat. That's all I've got for you today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the continued support. If you know a parent with an 8th grader, ninth grader, 10th grader, 11th grader that might find this helpful, please share the episode with them. You can do that by finding that small box with a tiny arrow pointing up. That's the share button. Click that button. Text your friends a link to this episode with a little personal note from you recommending that they give it a listen. If you have questions, comments, or an idea for an upcoming episode, please don't hesitate to reach out to me by email, DM me on Instagram, check out our blog, Facebook, connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love to hear from you. Until next week, goodbye, good luck, and never stop preparing. This podcast is brought to you by PrepWell Academy. Prepwell Academy is my one-of-a-kind online mentoring program that delivers to your ninth or 10th grader a short, highly relevant video from me every week, every Sunday, in fact, where I give them a heads up about what they should be thinking about to stay ahead of the game. To get these valuable lessons into your child's hands, please head over to prepwellacademy.com and enroll your child today.